Oh, there he is. Can you see him? Where? I well, can I can see, see him. Where? Oh, he's on mute. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> there he is. How are you guys? I've missed you. We're good. I've missed you. Yeah, we're great. <laughs> Our little Adele moment. I know. Oh, was so wasn't much that fun. great? We're going to talk about that. Yeah, oh, we, are we have to talk about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Talking about so, so, so many things. It's just, it's great. So, Rosie, really looking forward to this one. I'm a bit nervous. Why? Because it's a big deal. He is a big deal, it's isn't he? Big deal. But he's lovely. Yeah. So, it'll be just gorgeous. And you know what? He can sing, he can dance, he can act. Triple threat. Triple threat. Yeah, we need a, a sound effect for that. <laughs> <laughs> There should be one of the big wishes, yeah, like that. Yes, we should introduce our guests. Yes, so we are joined by Luke Evans. Ta da! <laughs> you will have seen him in massive blockbusters like The Hobbit, Beauty and the Beast, oh, I love that. Fast and Furious, yeah, and with the release of his hugely successful album, A Song for You. So. It's yeah. all happening. It's all happening, Luke Evans. How are you? Uh, busy, busy, busy. <laughs> you <laughs> are. Are there actually more than one of you? Have you, have you cloned yourself? Oh, I, I, honestly, it's not a, not a bad idea. <laughs> um, at least I would get to spend more than one night in my own house. But uh, it has been... It's been a joy. I mean, listen, it's like a number 73 bus, isn't it? Everything happens all at the same time. They couldn't have spread it out over the year. No, I had to do a TV show to record, two films to come out. I recorded two films, and it all happened within the space of two months, and an album as well. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be intense, but you know what? I've got through it. I've enjoyed every minute of it, but really crazy. You know, every year I work, and I think this is the pinnacle. This is the best it'll ever get, and then... This year's happened and I literally will be floating into Christmas. The <laughs> yeah. happiest, the happiest acting, singing human being. Oh, <laughs> and that's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's lovely. what you want. That's what you want. We're gonna go way back to your childhood. Uh -oh. I know. <laughs> were you always a performer growing up? Was it always something that you we wanted to do? Yes, unofficially. Literally, if anybody would listen, I would be singing. Or I used to um, be a big fan of uh, French and Saunders. Oh, yeah. And um, I used to recite whole sketches of French and Saunders. I love the two fat ladies that live together. That's a nonsense. Oh, That's a nonsense. I love them. Yeah. Um, whatever happened to Baby Jane? And I basically would recite them. And I realised, looking back, that it was my way of being able to perform because I liked entertaining people. And if they sat and listened or they laughed or they, they listened to a song I used to sing, I felt great about it. And clearly that was the beginnings of what then became my career. Uh, what if you hadn't done that, though? Did you ever have a kind of fallback? Did you have something... You know, everybody always says that when you go into acting. Oh, you have to have more than one string to your bow yeah. and, and all of that. But was it always just that for you? No, I mean, yes. I mean, no. no hold on. <laughs> Let me get this right. My dad is a bricklayer. My mum was a cleaner and a housewife. This kind of world was not something that you talked about as anything realistically you know, possible coming from the valleys of South Wales. So, you know, it wasn't anything I thought was going to be my career. I only started having singing lessons at 16 when I left school after my GCSEs, after I got a job, and then I started paying for my own singing lessons. And it wasn't until that moment when my singing teacher, Louise Ryan, who taught Charlotte Church as well, set me on these Eisteddfods, which are Welsh talent competitions. And you can either recite poetry or you'd sing or you'd, on different levels. I'd never won anything in my life, ever. And then all of a sudden, she put me up for these Eisteddfods and I'd be coming home with, like, seven or eight <laughs> trophies with my name on it, you know. So that was the beginning of me sort of realising, 
okay, well then I, I've got something. I don't know what this is, but it's lovely to be able to to sing and compete and, you know, know that I've won at something, meaning I was the best at it that day, at that point, you know. Yeah, so that's really how it all started. But performing, yes, unofficially since the day I was born. I used to have a tape recorder. This is a very funny story. When I was six years old, I had a virus in my milk teeth and I had to have them all taken out. Ooh. Yeah, so I went to hospital. First time I'd ever been to hospital, and probably the last time, actually. And um, <laughs> I've never told this story. <laughs> this is brilliant. I had all my teeth taken out. This is going to be headline. Lily <laughs> Evans had his teeth taken out. Are there pictures? Of you? Uh, pictures. Of you, Gonzi? I, I don't know. I think my mum my and dad, weirdly, when we were kids, we didn't take that many pictures, but um, I don't think there's many of me toothless, for sure. Mm. But as a present, my mum and dad bought me a tape recorder. Now, this tape recorder did nothing for me all I wanted it to do was record me. And so I would pretend I was on TV AM and I was Gordon Honeycomb, the TV... <laughs> the newsreader, <laughs> yeah, of course. Right, so I would do news readings and I'd be like, good morning, everybody, this is Gordon. And I used to call him Gordon Onion because I was so young. And I would interview my mum and dad or anyone that would be in the vicinity who would bear me for a 10 minutes. And I would ask them, how is your day going? And what are you doing today? That's all for today's news, goodbye. And that is basically... You could see there was a bubbling of some interesting mm, creature yes. <laughs> growing here who wanted to entertain and wanted to do something. So, yeah, a toothless TV presenter. broadcast, though. Maybe when Mum's off, you could do the show. Yes, that would be good. Hey, I mean, you, be, as if you haven't got enough to do. Oh, yeah, another thing you can do. <laughs> I'm just totally in my mind. I've just got a gumsy look, Evans. It's just not going to be. <laughs> this and, and you know, the only reason I've got fangs, you know, I've told you these fangs before, Lorraine. Yes, yes, yes. You have got fangs. fangs. They is because they didn't take these out, and teeth grow until they touch. Did you know that? I did not. Oh, I didn't know that. And these teeth didn't have anything to touch, and that's why they're so long. Ah, but that was good when you were Dracula. That was great when you were Dracula, wasn't it? Was it was the only. It was when the only the, way. Didn't have to sit makeup for hours. Yeah, you yes. got them. You got. See, honestly, you learn something. So if you hadn't had that virus in your teeth, you wouldn't have got your teeth taken out. You wouldn't have had the tape recorder. And you I'm wouldn't have been Gordon Honeybunch. Yeah. yeah, we used to call him Gordon Honeybunch. He was so lovely. And I wouldn't be a Gordon Honeybunch. <laughs> Isn't that funny that I, I can I can remember that, that? That was such an integral part of my childhood, TVM. I love it, I love it, I love it. I mean, because that's where I started a hundred years ago. Um, and it was yeah. it was great fun. Were so, you a reporter at TV at first? And then I was a reporter for Scotland at first. Right. And then I came down to sit on the sofa and do silly things. And okay. I had to get my hair done. <laughs> And wear pink clothes, some very, very bright clothes. I did. Gosh, it's, it's And mad. there was an egg. Eggs were yeah, the Yeah, the eggs are still there. Boiled if eggs. If you go to know, um, Camden, Camden Block, yeah, yeah, you can see them. I love them. It was. I think they're yeah, so cute. Too. So look, there you were, getting your singing lessons. You and Charlotte Church as well, who's... We saw her in a plane. We oh, did sorry, see her in a plane. completely irrelevant information, but we, we did. We were very excited, She had pink hair. She did. She was great. Yeah, it was I very like exciting her. I like her a lot. And obviously, you two must know each other very well. I mean, she's on the album and all of that. Do you know she's? I mean, we go back, I think it's around 20 years now, which is a long time, okay. if not longer, actually. Yeah. I mean, she was 10 and I'm now 42 and I was 16 when I started singing. So work that one out. Never been good at math. <laughs> We've meandered into each other's lives throughout those decades. And I've been so proud of her, you know, because not an easy thing to be a child star of that exactly. size of star. Yeah. Exactly. And to come out of it and be just totally unfazed. And she has her own identity. She's very strong-minded and she has dreams and ideas and ambition and she's never been scared to you know dip into different ideas and worlds mm. and, and I yeah she's wonderful but what was great was when I asked her to do this song 
she was like, yeah, but I don't sing that kind of stuff anymore. And I'm like, I know, but for me, mm. would you just, just give me the Charlotte Church that we all remember? We know you've got those top Ds in there somewhere. <laughs> and, you know, I think if it wasn't me, she probably would have said no, but she was like, okay, all right. And she, we came in and weirdly, you know, we've never sung together in all those oh. years. So uh, she came to London and we spent a whole day just in the studio between a plexiglass so that her massive vocals didn't overshadow mine. And we just looked at each other and it was just wonderful. She's a real talent and the voice, the pipes, my God. Just oh, yeah. I think it gets better and better. She's, she really is. And you did Gogglebox together. Isn't that the best we one? Yeah. It's the best one. Cause have me have and, you done it? Yeah, we did it. Rosie and I did it, didn't we? We loved it. Did it, it. last year. Did yeah. I want to know what snacks you picked because the producers asked us what snacks do you want mm. for the show? Mm. And we yeah, had... Yeah, we had... Um, what did you have? I got you a deep fried Mars bar. You did? Well, sorry, I got you. They got you a deep fried Mars bar. <laughs> <laughs> did you know it was really nice? It was lovely. I bet. I might as well delicious. have injected it right into my thighs, but it was actually yeah, really, nice. really good. <laughs> um, we had we had booze and we had, yeah. we had crisps. We had some fruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we didn't eat it. What did you guys have? Well, Charlotte's choice was scones mm. with cream and jam. Lovely. And a cup of tea. And mine was um, Maynard's sports mixture. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, Very good. And a bottle of Malbec. <laughs> Excellent. Well, wine gums and, and wine. wine. It makes that, sense. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. Thing going on. So, look, there you are having singing lessons. And yeah. how do you go from that lad in Cardiff that's having singing lessons to being on the West End stage, which you were? I mean, what was the, you know, what was the big sort of leap that you did? Did you just go? No. So in 1997, I went to London for an experience of going to um, a college audition. It wasn't nice. to get in, but it was for me to, because I was so young, and I think my singing teacher just said, just go for the experience so you can understand, like, if you ever wanted to do this for real, this is the kind of talent you're going to be up against. To go and just, you know, come back and go, OK, I've got a long way to go. These people are great and, you know, but just have the experience of being in a real serious audition where, you know, these are life-changing moments for, for people, you know. So I went to London, couldn't dance, never danced in my life. I had to do a ballet class. They asked me what first position, put your feet in first position, and I was like, I, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and I had to go and buy, like, a leotard and tights I mean, it took me 20 minutes to come out of the boys' changing rooms because I was like, what the hell am I doing? All I want to do is sing. But I realised, you know, to go to college, you had to learn all these things. So yeah. I went through a painful day of jazz audition, never done it, musical theatre, tap, contemporary, ballet. And just as I was ready to leave, they were like, OK, now is the singing. I was like, OK, well, at least I'm going to leave doing something I know I can do. So I went in and I sang Bring Him Home, a 16-year-old singing Bring Him Home. Oh, that's a beautiful um, song from the Miz. It's gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think if it wasn't for that song and, and the fact that I could sing it, I probably wouldn't have got the scholarship. Anyway, I came home, went back to work. I used to stamp the application forms for finance in a finance company. So I'd be out one morning, I had my rubber thimble on, and I was going through the paper, <laughs> stamping it with a date. The phone rang and I'm like, hello. And I was stamping. It's like, look, it's Louise, your singing teacher. I was like, oh, hey, Louise, how's it going? And she's like, you need to sit down. I said, well, I am sitting down. I'm stamping. She was like, stop. <laughs> You've just been accepted into the college. And I was like, what? She went, and you have a scholarship. Wow. Oh. I was like, now I didn't really understand what that meant. So I said, what does that mean? <laughs> and she said, it means that you resign from your job, tell them what's happened. And you, in two months, you're going to move to London, find somewhere to live, and you're going to start college full-time for three years. Wow. And at 16, you know, I have no baggage. You just go, okay, 
are you sure? And she's like, yes, I'm absolutely sure. It's, it's confirmed. <laughs> so uh, I did. I told everybody in work and everybody was so happy for me because they all know that I love to sing. We used to do karaoke on a Friday night or whatever. Everybody knew. And so that everybody was so happy that I was getting this moment to move to London and pursue my dreams, which up until that point, had just been a singing lesson every week in a couple mm-hmm. of Eisteddfods. So wow. it was a big learning curve. And, you know, so several times in that first year, I was like, this isn't for me. Because I, I, I was around a lot of people who were very colourful. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd never, and I'd come from a working class mining town and all of a sudden I've got these peacocks walking through the <laughs> corridors, you know, <laughs> high kicking it to lunchtime. And I was like, oh my God. But then I thought, you know what? There's room for everybody here and yeah. I'm going to find my place and I'm going to work on the things I'm not good at and make better the things that I am. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible experience. One that I, I never thought I'd go back to education. I didn't enjoy it. I was bullied and it just I didn't have a good memory yeah. of school. But this was different. This was like going to fame every day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it would be like that, wouldn't mm. it? It'd be absolutely fantastic. And you just, you found your tribe as well. You just found what you're good at, oh, yeah. what you love. Oh, yeah. um, and what did your parents think? Well, I mean, at that point, I'd already left home at 16, sure. so they were already in shock <laughs> and knowing that I, I clearly had a plan and they were just going to have to go with it. We're very, very close, and they, amazingly, because I'm their only child, so, you know, I was precious to them. I still am, and they are to me, but I think they realised that I had this dream and I pursued it all alone, not through the help of them. Hmm. So they supported me. They just went, if this is what you want to do, then go mm-hmm. for it and we will... <laughs> help you as much as we can, and um, that's what they did. It's so lovely. It is, it's great. So lovely. So what was your breakthrough role then on stage? Well, my first ever job was actually a musical. So I was in my third year, just done the showcase to sign an agent. I signed with an agent, and two months before I graduated, I got the juvenile lead in a musical called La Cava, which was written by Dana Broccoli, who was the husband of Cubby Broccoli, who created Bond, Ah. weirdly. So... I was 20 years old. It was the millennium, year 2000. And I played the juvenile lead in a musical written about the Moorish invasion of Spain. Oh, okay. Um, it was a love story. Julia Lana Brighton played the female lead and um, Oliver Tobias played the male lead. Oh, yeah. And it was a moment. It was an incredible experience for me. And, you know, first time I'd earned a wage doing what I loved and first time I paid for my own holiday and <laughs> so that was my moment I don't know whether it was my big break but it feels like it was the first moment I got to be on stage and it was a mm. it was a magical thing I mean the yeah. Dana Broccoli used to bring us in like a platter of food every day I thought that's why musicals every, every rehearsal was sister. <laughs> clearly it wasn't we were just being treated very very well but yeah and so then I did musicals for yeah. eight years on and off and other jobs in between that's how it began musical theater was a big thing and then in 2008, I was playing Roger in Rent. Oh, that's a and, great uh, part, oh, and that's a brilliant production, amazing. isn't it? Amazing, it really amazing, is. amazing show. And still resonates, to, in fact, probably is even more important today than ever it was. Such Absolutely. a great show, such a great show. So you were doing that, and then what happened? And then I signed with a new agent, who was a much bigger agent, mm-hmm. and he told me about this play that was happening at the Donmar Warehouse. Now... Back then, you know, it was very hard, unless it was a musical that was happening in the Doma Warehouse. If he wasn't a straight actor, when I say straight actor, I mean an actor that does, like, theatre and Mm. plays. I'd only done musicals. I'd really struggled. I wanted to be on 
in a play or I want to do television, mm. even an advert, I, but I couldn't. I just couldn't get my foot in the door. It's and funny then, that, isn't it, Luke? Is there a sort of sniffiness so about it that there shouldn't be? I think there, there is. There absolutely mm. shouldn't be because it's plinking hard. <laughs> yeah. If you can do yeah, musical theatre, you can do just about everything. But well, I think the, that's the changed. I think that's changed a wee bit. But yeah, it it was, so it was hard for you to, as you said, to get your foot in the door. Oh, yeah, really difficult. Yeah. And weirdly, you know, this play, he said, look, I, I can't put you up for it because we're not officially signed, but you should you should contact the casting director. It's about two Welsh boys and their mothers. Their mothers are played by Lindsay Coulson and Sue Johnston. And, and Wonderful. So I thought, you know what? Well, I've got nothing to lose. So I wrote a little card, sent it to the casting director and McNulty at the Donmar. I said, I'm, I'm a Welsh actor. Nudge, nudge. I'm 27. <laughs> um... And I'm in Roger, playing Roger in Rent, if you want some tickets, or if I could meet you, that would be great. I didn't even mention the play, because I think it was obvious that that's what I was contacting her sure. about. Anyway, long story short, three and a half weeks later, I'd met the director, I had rehearsed, and I'd done auditions with other actors, and I got cast as the, one, of the, one of the boys. And so I ended up doing this four-hander with almost zero props or set, mm -hmm. huge swathes of monologues, really, like, I pushed my limits, mm -hmm. and... Uh, that was the play that changed my life. From that play, the agents were coming in, coming to see who was on, and they, I had CAA taking me to lunch at the Ivy, and then in the evening, WME, William Morris and Devil were in the evening, and they were taking me to dinner at the Ivy. And I'd walk into the Ivy the second time, like, oh, welcome back, sir. I'm like, I had never been here until today. <laughs> so good. What do you ever think if you hadn't wrote that card? I know, what, what if you happened? hadn't? What if you hadn't written that card? That was a great well, thing to I'll do. i tell you something, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you two right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how things can happen like that? It's extraordinary. Yeah. And then from that, from that role that you played and you, the reviews, rave reviews, everything was great, and getting people bidding for you at the Ivy, I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's great. And that, was that then the movie career took off That's after it. that, right? Yeah, yeah. Huh? I then signed with, um, with an agent and a manager and obviously my new agent in London, who really was the... He saw me in Rent and gave me the opportunity, told right. me about this play, otherwise I wouldn't have known about sure, that sure. either. And then I went to L.A. and I knew that I had to pass my driving test because I'd never passed my test. I was 27, 28, living in central London. Nobody needed to drive. Mm. Couldn't afford a car anyway or, or anywhere to park it. So then I went for driving lessons and it was winter, so it was a miserable time to learn how to drive. I passed my driving test, thank God. Didn't drive a car after that. And for six months later, I went to L.A. after saving money, after I finished PF at the Donmar, second show I did there. Mm. Went to L.A., got out of the airport, went to the rental company and I, I, I rented a car with uh, the steering wheel on the left-hand side, never driven in another country, and uh, drove to my friend's house where I stayed for three months. And it was the most terrifying journey I've ever had in my life. But <laughs> it was the traffic. There's nuts. <laughs> it's, it's, but nuts. it's about all the rules are different. Yeah. Like, rules, I was on the other side of the road. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah but uh, when you've got to do something, I've never been one to shy away from it. It's like, come on, you can do this. I'm mm. a very good talking myself into something and going, you'll regret it if you don't do this. So just get on and try it. And it's a bit like the letter to the casting director and all these moments in retrospect, I realise, you know, Good on you as a as a, mm, as a yeah. young actor who felt like he wasn't getting anywhere really to take the bull by the horns. And... Wow. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you prefer being on stage to being on screen? Well, they're so different. Yeah. They're so different. The thing about film is that you can go back and tweak and change mm. in every take. You know, you can do lots of different kinds of takes. In theatre, it's live. And live means you don't stop. Mm. And also, it means you also have an audience in the dark looking at you. <laughs> and they want to be entertained. And you want them to be entertained and you want to carry them along. So they're very different forms of, of performance. They're both very rewarding. One is immediate and the other one is much later when, it, when the film or TV thing comes out, you know. So mm. I like them both very much, but there's nothing like singing live in front of an audience or yeah. performing mm. on stage in front of an audience because you get a reaction, you know. Somebody finds it funny or sad or, or, or they love it, they'll <laughs> clap or they'll make a noise and... You can feed off that. That's live shows for you. There's nothing quite like it. Has anything ever gone wrong? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so many things. So many things. And not just for me. I mean, it's a general acceptance that, you know, after you've been in a show for about six months, your brain starts to slightly, you know, fade sometimes. You're not exactly in the moment. Sometimes you forget the words. And my famous one I, I remember mostly was that I was in Miss Saigon. It was a Saturday matinee in Southampton. I say no more. <laughs> and uh, all I was thinking about was the giant burger that I was going to have in this amazing burger restaurant opposite the theatre after the matinee. And um, this wonderful actress who was playing Kim was singing... The last night of the world, you know. Mm. In a world that won't let us free, well, I have found you, I have found <laughs> you. And then she's coming to the end of her line where I start to sing. I'm like, Burger, oh, oh, <laughs> shit, she's, uh oh. And, and I knew the tune, of course, I couldn't remember the words. So I basically went, <laughs> and she, she looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> But you know what? She carried on. She carried on. So I finished the line like, sorry. And she carried on. And then I remember where I was. The hamburger was out of my brain. And I was back in the room. But for that moment, you know, yeah. I was, yeah. I just thought, and something has to come out. And my family in as well. That's probably why I was a bit distracted, because I knew they had friends and family in the audience. So I was thinking, oh, they're going to come backstage and go, what did you sing? My mother went, I thought you were speaking um, Vietnamese. <laughs> So you got away with it. You got away with it. Got you got away, away with, with it. it. She of had seen the did. show about five times at that point. Okay, <laughs> so she maybe maybe know that something was going no, on. Just, that's, that's a mother for you. That's mother's love. Oh. And what was the big movie role that kicked it all off? What did you burst onto the screen doing? Ooh. I mean, the first big thing I did was The Hobbit. Yes. Yeah. It was twelve months of my life. Three major movies. Yeah. Playing such a brilliant, wonderful, well-written character. I mean, he kills the dragon. I mean, come yeah. on. It was just I like, mean, spoiler, but everyone's yeah, seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at this point. But it was a magical experience, and that sort of gave me a much bigger platform. And from that, I went and then and did the set. And the next big thing was Owen Shaw in Fast and the Furious, yeah. which, you know, oh, yeah. I can't go anywhere in Latin America or Asia where that is not the person that they know. Really? Like, That's I the am big one. Owen Shaw to them for forever. 
Did you like playing the baddie? Oh, no, I loved it. Of course, yeah, it's the yes. best. Everyone should play a baddie once in their life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were Gaston um, as well. Gaston. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I'd done nothing for families. All my shows were more for adults. Mm -hmm. and, and then this came along. I didn't really want to do it. I'd said no a couple of times. And then my best friend and his godchildren convinced me that I should do it. Mm. And so I went in and I sang for Bill Condon. And I got it. And it was one of the most rewarding, fun experiences every day to put that costume on, mm. have that little cleft put in my chin, <laughs> have those eyebrows painted in, and just walk onto those sets knowing I was playing such a famous animated character from Disney's archives. It was just one of those magical things. Oh, and brilliant. I appreciated it very much. And, mm. you know, thank God I said yes. Oh, I imagine yes. now it. watching somebody else playing that character. No. I don't know who else would have done it. Nah, it it's one of those things that you can't think who else would... Idris Elba auditioned for it. Did he? Did he? Yeah. When I was coming out of my audition, mm. he was going in. No way! Mm. Oh, no, that I mean, I, I'm assuming he was up for Gaston. Oh. I don't think he would have been up for the, the lassie. He wouldn't have been up no. for... <laughs> It just helped her in a big yellow dress. He could have been the beast. Could have been the beast. I suppose he could have, yeah, I guess. But look, this career that you... Look, 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 This career, people, this is great, I'm doing this, this is fantastic. And as we know, as well as, you know, a hugely successful acting career, now the album is out, second album, I know. You're very greedy. You've got two amazing careers at the same time. It's fantastic, but it's really good. It doesn't often happen like that. No, it doesn't. And often people don't like it. People struggle to see you as different kinds of performer. And I didn't know whether people would accept me as a singer. But, you know, singing was my first love. I just happened to then become an actor. Yeah. But it never disappeared. And I just love singing. And when you can record an album and do it on such a high level as to what I've been able to do it, like with the, the first album was the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, the second was the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, the mm. Triorchy Male Voice Choir, Nicole Kidman, Charlotte oh, yeah. Church, yeah. singing some of the most incredible songs in the world, and then it, you know, landing at number four in the charts <laughs> and, you know, getting to sing at the Festival of Remembrance and, mm. and having my own BBC special show, Time for Christmas, with all these wonderful guests... I mean, I'm just living this moment and, you know, I just hope people appreciate, you know, this is a boy that's living his dream and yes. if you like it, great. If you don't, it's a shame because I'm, this is something <laughs> he's doing all the things he loves at the moment and I know it's not often that gets people get the opportunity to do that so I'm yeah. really grateful for it and... Mm. Can't believe it. Can't no, it's great. It. And you were so you sang on Strictly as well, which was oh, beautiful. Strictly, that, yeah. We yeah. were so lucky to hear your voice at uh, Adele. No, when we went to see Adele. Well, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually enjoyed listening to your joy at yeah, being there. I've never seen anyone more happy in my I life. I have never seen a happier boy. Yeah. Never seen a happier <laughs> boy. And actually listening to you singing along to her, it was fa You should have just yeah. basically got up on the stage with her. That would have been good. Well, we probably were just too far away, Lorraine. Otherwise, <laughs> that, I'd have climbed that barrier. They wouldn't <laughs> have been able to stop me. <laughs> but it was a joy. It's. I mean, you, clearly it's something that you... Well, I know you're a huge fan of Adele. I mean, who isn't? But clearly it's something that you absolutely love. I mean, you were in your element, wasn't it? Mm. Isn't that that whole I thing was. of you're supposed to keep your hobbies and your work separate because otherwise your work will become... Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do, but then if you, mm. if you love if you love you it do, so much... Yeah, then, then it's not work. It your job and then it's not work, yeah. And what I do, although I do work very hard and I do feel like I'm 
I have a good, strong work ethic, but I feel like I work to have this experience. Mm. The experience is every moment is like something I never thought would happen. Mm. So the gratitude I have for every step I have in this part of my life is just like, wow, this is mm. mad, you know. <laughs> and getting to share it with my family and my friends who've watched me and seen me struggle over the years and then have moments of success and then, you know, just for them to be able to bask in it as well. And, you know, everybody gets a little bit of glitter in this journey. Mm. And I love that. I like that. Spread the glitter. Yeah, I like that. I think Super. that's, yes, I think that's that's what everybody, everybody should do. Tell me about Horizon Blue, because that's a song that means so much to you. That's the one you wrote. And, you know, mm. you, you could have easily, of course, done the whole album as covers and putting your own interpretation on these amazing songs, which mm. you have done so beautifully. But was it really important to you as well to have something that you've absolutely created? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was nervous as hell because mm. I've never written before and I'd only written lyrics, but I'm, I'm quite good at poetry and stories that rhyme. But it was Amy Wodge, an incredible Welsh songwriter who I adore, is one of the nicest people I've ever met. She guided me and she helped me. And, and through lockdown, we were uh, doing it over Zoom and we wrote these two songs. And Horizons Blue and Busy Breaking Yours, two songs that were the original tracks that we ever wrote together. And... They came from the heart and one is tragic and one is hopeful and optimistic. And, you know, it's amazing that those scribbles on a piece of paper sitting on the wall of this house I was renting is then I've got my headphones on. I've got an 80 piece orchestra <laughs> and that little piece of paper has now turned into this. And mm. then it's on an album and people are talking about it. It's a, it's a very cathartic experience. Very scary because, you know, it's really honest and it's sort of like, this is my work and I can't blame the director or I can't blame mm. the film or the script. It's my script and I wrote it and it came from my mind and my heart and it's this extremely vul a vulnerable place. But, you know, as an actor, as a performer, sometimes the best stuff comes from when you, you put yourself in a vulnerable place and you give yourself to the audience. And I've written more and I... I have some great songs, I tell you, some great songs. So, so you're going to, would you do an album just of your own songs? Do you think would, that would be the I next would, thing maybe? or That would be something. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, if I do get to do a third album, I think it, it will have to be almost all originals, mm. I think. I've got enough ideas and enough imagination and creative juices flowing that I could write a whole album, yeah, yeah for sure. They'd all be love songs and, and inspiring songs. But I have got one which is like an anthem and oh. it's oh. epic. So, an yeah. epic anthem. Could it be used at football or, or rugby or Ooh. something like that? Could be, could be. Anywhere that's inclusive and unifying. Teasing that kind of now. environment would work with this kind of song. <laughs> mm. That would be good, wouldn't yeah. it? And you're doing... You can be in the video, for sure. Can we be yes, in the video singing? Well, no, miming, I can't sing. But you can sing. I can't you sing. Can, well, you can. You can no, hold I a tune. I can't we hold a tune. We were all singing We were all singing that night, was but that was... That was... <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Such good fun. It yeah. really was. Now, look, we're going to see you as Scrooge. I can't believe anybody less mm. likely to be Scrooge. I mean, <laughs> at the end, not the original... You know, at the end when he's all lovely and giving out presents and all that, I can see you doing that. Christmas song, come on. A Christmas yeah. song. You have to do a Christmas song it's a dripping roast for the rest of your life and there, mm -hmm. there it is so you must do that yeah, yeah. That has i should to write a christmas song yes yeah you should christmas yeah. album well, hey guys maybe i already have <gasps> oh. 
<laughs> now, you talked earlier on about the connection with uh, Cubby Broccoli, who mm. used to do the James Bond thing. So... Oh, we were wondering. Yes. We've had a Scottish James Bond. We have. God bless them. We've had a blonde Bond. We have. Are we ready for a Welsh Bond? <laughs> you also have had a Welsh Bond in the past. <gasps> hey! Who is Welsh? Who is Welsh? Yeah. Um, I know. D- uh, Dalton. T- Dalton. Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. I didn't Welsh. know he was Welsh. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know oh, that. No. Because he's got a very, very beautiful man, but I always thought he was, he's got this sort I think of he got rid voice. of his accent. Yeah. Oh. Maybe that's what you had to do back then. So you don't mm. have to do that now. I don't think I'd get rid of mine. I think no. it would be fantastic no, if he was yeah. Welsh. Oh, wouldn't it? I mean, can you imagine Sean without his Scottish accent? Never. No. Sean was Scottish and everything. Do you remember he played <laughs> yeah. a Russian, he was a Russian submarine captain and he was still Scottish. Hunt for Red October. <laughs> still, yeah. I love that film. Oh, <laughs> and he, me too. He was Scottish and everything. You've got to be Welsh and everything. It has to be. That's to be your uh, thing now. That, that could be the thing oh, that, yeah. Yes. No, definitely. I mean, well, this thing I'm on TV on Apple TV Plus has started yesterday, premiered Echo oh, yes, 3. Echo 3. Okay. I'm Southern in it and I played it for 10 months. So I was in that character's voice accent more than I was in my own. I was all over the place when I was myself. See, that must be so strange, um, yeah, yeah, when you've got to do that. But, it's... but you're still, you know, so Welsh. I know that sounds mad, but you you have it as well. You've not lived in Scotland for years, but you're, no. Scot- you're Scottish. I think you can lose it if you want to lose yeah. it. And obviously, of course, look, you've got to for certain roles. You know, mm. you have to, of course oh, yeah, you do. I mean, I mean, Sean Connery just... Absolutely, of course. But we would love to see you as James Bond. Should that so happen, that would be fine. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, you are pretty busy, so yeah, maybe you might not be able to fit it in. So there we are. Or a singing Bond. I think I would try. I know. Mm. If it did happen. Oh my gosh, you could do the theme song. Right, do the theme. Oh, that's it. You could, could do, do the it theme tune. Right, you could the do theme everything. Sing the theme put, some, put some prosthetics on me and I can play the villain too. I mean, come on. Oh. It's like... See, think of the money you'd save them. I've been doing all that. <laughs> It'd be extraordinary. It would be, it would be amazing. Oh, do oh. you have a dream role that you haven't done yet? Oh. Mm. No, I don't think so. I mean... I'm always surprised at the things I get offered, and I love that because it means people are not putting me in a box. Mm. My jobs are all very varied even at this point, but this year has been even more diverse for me. And so as I'm getting older, the stories and the characters I'm presented with are even more unusual, but they're often things I've not thought about. And it's a real exciting moment to go, oh, oh, okay, let me think about this. I'd never thought about that. Mm. You know, and so... I mean, I love comedy. I do enjoy making people laugh. I've made people scared for enough, but I don't mind doing that a little bit more. But, you know, um, mixing it up with a bit more comedy might be fun. Singing is always wonderful. I'd love to do a musical. That would be fantastic. Being Scrooge in the animation of Netflix was just a joy, you know, so that was very, very special. So who knows? But I don't have a specific role I'd like to play, but... I like the challenge, so anything that's challenging and pushes me out of my comfort zone, which I'm I'm really in, by the way, is good. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it is, absolutely. And you're so right. Nobody can put you in a little box. They, they can't pigeonhole you because, you know, even when we were, were talking about, you know, all the different things that you've done, you can't say, oh, look, Evans, oh, he does that and only that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you do so many different things and that's fantastic. I mean, that's why you do the job you do, isn't it? So that you challenge yourself and, and you get to play as many different parts as you can. Yeah, and it yeah. keeps it interesting. And I, I want to, you know, at some point, you know, when I'm old, I'll, I'll look back and go, you know, you went from... Dracula to a dragon slayer to, 
the gay husband of Billy Porter. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> let's just keep we it mixed Billy up. Porter. He's fantastic. Yeah, I love absolutely fantastic. Fantastic fashion sense, don't you think? Goodness mm. me. I've seen his wardrobe. How it's have you? full <gasps> on. Is wow. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be a yeah. joy just to be It'd be like a museum, thing. wouldn't it? It would. It'd be fantastic. But like living. I tried a pair of his heels on. Did you? Oh, did mm. they fit you though? Yeah, just about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were there for, um, it was called a cookout. It was in the summer, oh, and really? so we had a big barbecue. All his family and friends were there. It was just before we started shooting, and uh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I'd be a pro on them, but I definitely uh, good, had a good for you for having a go. Yeah, good for you for having a go, and also good for you because you do do something that in this day of the internet and social media and everything, you you keep your life. To you, I mean, mm-hmm. you're very, very open and accessible about your work, and so you should. I mean, what you know, and I think that's that. It shows you that it can be done. It absolutely yeah. can be done. And, and fair play to you for that, because I think you've got to have a wee bit of yourself. <laughs> you know, you can't give everything. Yeah. You've got to have a wee bit of yourself, for goodness' sake. You do, you do, and it's hard because you never give enough. Mm. People often want more, but, and I think I, I give enough. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with where I am, you know, but. Um, it's a strange old world, this social media business, mm. isn't it? It is weird. Thank so weird. God they didn't have it when I was growing up, Luke. Oh, Thank the Lord there was no Facebook and there was no oh, Twitter God. and there was none of that because, you know, we all make mistakes in our lives. We just don't want them coming no. back. You just don't want them coming back to you, that's mm. for sure. Now, look, it's been such a joy talking to you, but Rose... We do this little tradition at the end of every episode. We do. We ask our guests to tell us their biggest fail, regret and win. Ooh. And they could be funny or sad or, you know, whatever you want. So we'll start with fail. Have you got one? I don't biggest... know if you have. Oh, I'm sure I've got loads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a good one. Um, fail. Oh, God. I hate being put on the spot. I'm terrible. <laughs> um... Well, you don't have to have had one. You don't have to have had one. It may be something that's still yet to come. Or it may oh, never happen. Sure. Thanks, may... Lorraine. Or it may <laughs> never happen. I was just going to go on to say it may <laughs> never happen. It will never happen. It hasn't happened and it will never happen. It will never happen. So what about a regret? A regret. Mm. I guess regret is a weird thing, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I'm, it's not a pleasant thing to regret something. And I've tried to live my life in a way as much as I can where I don't have to regret a lot. I make lots of decisions and I try and put a lot of thought into my decisions. Personally life and public life and professional life and family life. Honestly, I don't... I think that's so brilliant. Boring, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's, not. it's lovely. It's fantastic. I don't hang on to those things. Yeah. And I come you. from a family that are very resilient. We're like water off a duck's back. We yeah, just yeah, go, yeah. That was a moment, get rid of it, let's forget about it, moving forward, love you. And that kind of thing has always been my mantra, is like, hang on to the good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Hang on to the positive things. Regret is not a great thing because you can't do anything about it. Exactly, yeah. so there's no point. There's nothing you can way. do. Exactly. Regret is like an empty energy. You can think about something and go, okay, well, I should have done this better. But then you've got the opportunity in the steps you make from that point mm. to do something better in the future. I like that. That's a perfect answer. Um, And finally, your biggest win. My biggest win 
is getting to talk to you two on a Friday morning, <laughs> on a, whatever day it is today. I don't even know what day it is. That's the biggest win I've behave. had all week. Behave, behave, behave. I want sit to sit right. Here are things I want to see. I want to see you and Adele. You know how she's doing her thing in, in Vegas right now. Oh, you could just pop up. Just go and, and be there. <laughs> just do it. Just do it now. Turn up. I mean, don't tempt me because I literally would. No, you I have to. Would. No, you have to do it. There is no discussion about this or debate. It has <laughs> to be done. Have you met her? Have you spoken to her? No. Well, I never met her, never spoke to her. No. Do, do, she I mean, doesn't I have to know. Say, when, uh, last year when she did the London show, she did a couple of little private gigs at Ronnie Scott's. Oh. And her people, they clearly knew that I was a fan mm -hmm. because they invited me. Adele, they said, Adele would like to invite you to this very private thing. So they clearly knew that I'm a big fan because okay. they didn't invite everybody and mm. I was one of them. I was in the middle of the jungle in Colombia. Oh. Okay, so that I, could be one of they, your regrets. Yes. That's my regret. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. My love regret it, love is it. that they tied me to the jungle trees too tightly and I couldn't get away because well, I, I think I would have left. Ideal. Right, that's something that we have to make happen. Yeah. Luke Evans, what a joy. Thank to talk you so to much. you and mm, congratulations on everything that you're doing just yeah. keep doing what you're doing it's amazing absolutely amazing thank I you. love your passion and your energy mm. and thank you thank you thank you very much lovely chatting with you